Whenever I have a new idea for an app, one of the first things I do is go find a domain name for it. The company I use and have used for years is Hover.com. Hover.com has a clean and easy to use interface. They don't try to upsell me on a bunch of services I don't want or need, and they provide free Whois masking for the domains I register. So if I register a domain that's not directly tied to devchat.tv, people don't need to know that I'm the one that owns it. They also offer domains with all kinds of top level domains like .codes and .computer, and others like .coffee and .pizza. So when you have your next idea strike, go to hover.com slash javascript to get it. Once again, that's hover.com slash javascript. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. We had a little bit of a scheduling snafu this week, and so we didn't get an episode recorded, and I wanted to make sure that you all got one. So I am recording an episode. We are going to be getting ahead here in a couple of weeks because I'm going to Microsoft Connect, and Microsoft likes to hook me up with all of the cool people there. Uh, so hoping to get some really, really great stuff there. But in the meantime, I thought, you know what? I'll jump in and talk about something that I've been thinking about a lot lately that we don't have an episode coming up on soon, which is... So, so there are two things. One of them is entrepreneurship, and we did get an episode scheduled for that in December, which will probably come out in January. But the other thing that I've been working on lately is a course on how to get a job. And I've been talking about this for a while, but I finally actually got things scheduled. So uh, November 6th is when it starts, which is a, about a week after this comes out. So if you're looking for a job or you want to know how to kind of beef up your resume or see if there's something better out there, uh, this course will cover all that. Um, I'm not going to plug it too heavily beyond that. I just want to kind of get that out there so that you know that it's out there, it's available. I'll go ahead and give you the link as well. Um, it is devchat.tv uh, slash get dash a dash coder dash job dash full dash access. And I'll probably come up with some way to shorten that up and put a link to it in the show notes. But anyway, if you're interested in the course, you can go check it out. What I'm going to do here over the next half hour to an hour is I'm basically just going to drop some of the big core pieces of uh, the course. Now, obviously, I can't do the entire course because the entire course is eight sessions, which are two hours-ish long each. So I can't give you everything uh, for free. I wish I could, but I can't. And this will help kind of give you a flavor for what's out there. So let me just jump in here and talk briefly about it. One of the things that I hear a lot from people is essentially, how do I get a great job? And a lot of the people who are out there applying are essentially in a position where they're saying, look, all the companies out there that I'm talking to are looking for senior developers, and they're not hiring junior folks. And to be perfectly honest, when I talk to companies and I'm like, hey, you know, are you hiring junior developers? The issue that they come out with is, well, not really because either we wind up training them and they leave, or the other thing that happens is, is we've gotten such a mixed bag with junior developers that we never know what we're going to wind up with. So essentially what you need is you need to have some kind of reliability or selling point that you can give to these companies so that they feel good about bringing you on. So either you're going to learn quickly, you're going to stick around for a while. Um, I, I hesitate a little bit to tell people to make that kind of a commitment, but if you can, you know, make a commitment to stick around for a year or so, or, Hey, look, you know what? Um, if, if things go well over the next few months and I can make that kind of a commitment or something like that, uh, that does help. But the other thing is, is that a lot of the boot camps are churning people out. You've got people who are self-teaching and yeah, they get inundated with all these new people and it's really hard for them to know what these folks are capable of. 
Then the other end of this, or the other part of this problem, is the people who have been in programming for a year or two, and they go out, they get that job, right? So they've been out there for a year, and then they're applying around, and it's the same kind of thing, that they don't have enough experience, et cetera, et cetera, and they don't really know how to put themselves out there so that people will want to hire them. And they don't know how to frame their experience so that people know what they're capable of. And so we kind of walk through this process of getting everything together so that you can show the companies that you're the kind of person they want to hire. Um, Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back because there are things that you can do to wind up in a better position than you otherwise would. And I think a lot of people really get hung up on, well, I just want a better paying job or I just want a better job or I don't want to work with this boss anymore that I don't like or something like that. And in some cases that's helpful and in other cases it's not. Generally what I tell people to do, and I actually have a worksheet for this, is I tell them to sit down and figure out what kind of job they want. So some people, they want a job where they can interact with smart people Other people want to just show up, sit down, don't bug me, I'll get my code written. So you you kind of need to know about that. If you've had a job or two in the past, the other thing is, is some people are like, I don't want an authoritarian boss, or I don't want a boss that hovers. Other people want a boss that's involved. So again, you know, you kind of work off of this definition of what you want based on where you've been. So you know what kind of people you want to work for. You know what kinds of problems you want to solve, unless you're really, really new and you just haven't tried them all, right? Then in that case, it's, I want a job where I can try out a lot of different things and figure out what I like. You may already be able to do that with some of the boot camps and other online learning systems that are out there. And sometimes it's a little bit tricky to get there until you've actually worked in a job, right? And you figured out, you know, I really, really hate medical technology, or I really, really love financial budgeting technology. So you'll figure out pretty fast, okay, this is the kind of area I want to work in. Some people, the fulfillment they get out of their job is the fact that they feel like they're making a difference. And I can tell you that at my first job out of college, I was actually doing tech support there. I wasn't a programmer there. Technically, uh, I did wind up building the first pass along with uh, one or two other folks that I was working with at the system that they used to do the tech support. So I did program there, but that wasn't my job title. My job title was uh, the guy that ran the tech support department. That, that's what I did. And then I moved to QA and then eventually got a job doing development in another company. But one thing that I felt really good about at that job was that I felt like we were making a difference because the company did online backup and we would hear back from people my computer died and I had a backup with Mosey and I didn't lose all my kids' photos or it saved me hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars or however much, right? So I felt like I was making a difference and for some people that's it. And some people they have pretty specific areas that they feel like they can make a difference in and for other people it, all, all that really matters is that they're helping folks out. So... Again, just kind of think through these things. Think through, what do I want? What do I want out of this job? You can put a number down for salary too. Some people, that's a way they keep score. Other people, it's if if I can pay for everything, right? If I don't have to think about whether or not I can afford to blah, blah, blah for my kids or my wife or myself, then I'm making enough. And for other people, it's I want to maximize salary because that's what matters to me, right? It's it's a scorekeeping game. And none of this is right or wrong. It's just the way it is. So 
anyway, uh, the worksheet will walk you through a lot of this, but basically what it breaks down to, to is who do you want to work for or who do you want to work with? What kind of a job do you want? What kinds of things are you going to do? Does the technology matter? What kind of technology are you going to be working in? What's the working environment like? Are you going to be in a desk in the middle of an open room, open space? Can you not work under those conditions? You know, maybe you work in a smaller room with your team or in your own office. Um, and can you reasonably expect that, right? Because if you're a junior developer, you're probably not going to wind up in your own office. But then you've also got the aspects of who you work with. Do you want to work with a lot of really senior people? Do you want to work with a lot of people about at your level? Another person that you have to deal with is your boss. So, you know, is your boss hands-on, hands-off? You know, we talked about a lot of that stuff. And again, then the compensation. And there's the salary, but also benefits, right? How many days off do you want or need? What kind of flexibility do you want or need? Uh, a lot of people take into account whether or not they want to be remote. And so you've got a lot of these different ideas around what this job is. So, so write them all down, right? You may not be able to find a place that does all of them, but you may be able to find a place that hits most of them. You may also be able to say, you know what? Some of these things are really, really, really important to me and they're kind of must-have things and then there are other things on this list that aren't, right? So it'd be really nice to have a boss that's a little more hands-off, but when it comes right down to it, if the boss is a little more hands-on, I'm generally okay with that. But if I have to work in an open cubicle farm or an open office layout where people are walking up to me all day bugging me, I can't deal. Or maybe, you know what, I like the interaction. So if, if people are walking by and we collaborate all day, that's cool. But if my boss comes by too often, it's going to drive me insane. So, you know, you figure out which of these things are just critically important and optimize for those. And then you can start doing some research as far as which companies meet those criteria and things like that. And one thing that I found for a lot of that is that if you can talk to employees that work at those companies, you can figure out pretty fast whether or not they match up with your criteria. One other thing to keep in mind with a lot of this is that um, if you go on LinkedIn, so some people, they want to work in a certain geographic area or they want to work remote. So if you're going to work remote, you can go to like weworkremotely.com or some of the other remote work websites and see what you can line up. Uh, remote is also a little bit easier sometimes to do as a freelancer, so you may want to give that a try. But if you're looking in a specific geographic area, the some of the best things that you can do are go to the meetups in that area and meet people who work and live in that area. So if you're already there, um, you, you can easily do that. If you're not already there, I'll talk about that here in a second. I go into a whole lot more detail on how to do that in the course. But uh, on the flip side, yeah, you do that. You can also go on LinkedIn and you can do a search for companies that are within a certain area. And I think it's usually by zip code is the way that you do that. And so you just pick all the zip codes that you're willing to work in and you just work out of that. And it'll tell you what companies are there and you can do a search for, say you want to work in JavaScript, you want to work in Node.js or Angular or uh, React or Vue or you know any number of these other technologies out there in JavaScript. You can actually search and a lot of these companies will have people that have those things listed in there. Uh, profile. And so you look at the profile and you say, oh, okay, uh, John Doe works for ABC Company and he does Angular. 
And so an ABC company is, you know, close enough to where I live to where the commute is about what I want it to be. Because that's usually what it boils down to. So then you go and you find out more about ABC company and see if they line up with all the stuff that we talked about in that worksheet or in that process. And as you do that, then what you start to find out is, oh, okay, ABC company builds widgets and they have an online shopping cart and that's what their developers work on. And you know what, that, that kind of lines up with where I want to be at, or maybe it doesn't, right? And so you cross them off the list or you put them a little lower on the list because they don't meet as many of the criteria for you. But let's say the ABC company actually lines up. Then what you do is you start trying to figure out who the people who are making the decision uh, to hire are. Because if you can do that, then essentially what you can do is you can start showing them that you're the kind of person they like to hire. You can get a lot of information about that off of LinkedIn as well. You can also go to glassdoor.com and a few other companies because it'll give you an idea of who the people they've already hired are. And that gives you an idea of whether or not you fit in. And so if they've hired people at about your experience level, then you're in good shape. If they've hired people who seem to have a similar personality or approach to coding or anything else, again, you're in good shape because you can go ahead and apply and it looks like they hire people that are like you. One other thing that I'm just going to back up on because I did say that I was going to talk about if you don't live in that area. One of the things I encourage people to do if that's the case is a, look and see if the local groups have some kind of forum or Slack room or uh, Google group, email list, anything like that where they interact online. Because you can join in and interact online that way. So let's say you live in Boston, you want to move to LA for whatever reason, right? You have some family there or something. You have to move because you have to go take care of your mother or something. Um, or maybe you've just always wanted to live in LA. I mean, whatever the reason, right? So yes, yeah, so you go and you find the LA group, you get involved in their Slack chat, you get involved in their forum and you start helping out and ask, answering questions. You can ask questions of your own. You can just get involved in the discussion and that way uh, they'll have seen your name. They will have uh, gotten involved that way and you can start to build relationships and rapport there. And you can just let them know, hey, look, I'm looking at moving out to the L.A. area and I'm excited about some of the opportunities there and I just wanted to get involved in the local community before I made the move. Great, perfect. And then if you can, make a trip out there, find out who the companies and the people are out there, so the people who organize the users groups, people who are hiring people who work for the companies you want to work for and just get in touch with as many of them as you can and just say, Hey, look, I'm coming out for a few days. It looks like you work for work with, or know something about the company that I want to apply to. Can we go grab lunch? And that way you get that personal connection to these folks. Um, even if it's just a short trip. A lot of times you can also say, look, I've, I've looked at your company. I really thought it would be worthwhile to work there. And I was wondering if I could just come in and see the office or if I could come in and meet some people um, while I'm out there. And a, a lot of companies will let you do that. I mean, unless they're just locked down as far as their security and concern and anything else, um, that will open up a lot of opportunities. And then I, I mentioned the meetup organizers. The meetup organizers usually know most of the people in the area and most of the people who are showing up to the meetups. They also usually have relationships with a lot of the companies that do hire people out there. And so just getting to know them anyway 
will work to your benefit. And if you can make it out there when they're actually having the meetup, then you can take advantage of a lot of that, that work and you can get that done. Um, so just to back up, what we've done is we've identified the kind of job we want, where it's located and all of that stuff. We've started to apply that criteria to some of the companies that we're looking at so that we can start to get an idea of what companies we want to apply to. Now, the next thing that you want to do is build rapport with people who are trusted by the company or work for the company. And what that does is then when you go and apply to the company, when you send them your resume, then you have somebody who can actually do some of the follow-up or advocacy for you. And you're not just some name on some paper in some pile of paper that they're eventually going to get around to. You're somebody that they're going, you know, they're going to be asked about and they're going to have some kind of social pressure applied to them about it. And that really, really helps. The other thing is, is you can also then get the inside scoop, right? Oh, well, they were trying to hire somebody, but we had a big push for the trade show. And so they're putting it off for a couple of weeks. Well, now you know, you know what? I need to follow up in a couple of weeks because um, following up now isn't going to do a whole lot of good. And they didn't call me back. And the, the reason they didn't call me back was, wasn't because they weren't interested. It was because they got busy. And so you, you can figure out some of these time frames. So the, the first week of the course, I'm talking about just this general job search uh, approach. The, the second week, I would talk about resumes and figuring out what this dream job is. And so we've talked about the dream job, but what about resumes? Um, I've sent out a few emails to my mailing list. And if you want to get on the mailing list, just go to devchat.tv. Um, if you click on any of the shows, it'll get you on the list because you can sign up to get the episodes. So for JavaScript Jabber, for example, just go to javascriptjabber.com and then just sign up to get the top 10 episodes. Um, anyway... So I've been sending these emails out, and a lot of people make a lot of mistakes on their resume. Um, I think a lot of people are under the impression that if they send a resume in, that the resume is going to get read, and that's just not the case. Generally, when you get a bunch of resumes, especially if you get more than like 20 or 30, so when I've done hiring, I've been in a position where I got like a handful and then it's easy, right? I do read all those. Um, I've also been in a position where I got more than 100. I didn't read them all. In fact, I didn't even skim them all. Um, I just went through them until I had enough candidates to fill up my schedule for interviews and hope that one of them worked out, right? So just keep in mind that you, you want your resume to be something that they can immediately identify as somebody that they want to bring in for an interview. And so if you're putting a lot of extra stuff on there, it's not going to help you. And if you're not formatting it so that it's easily skimmable, then that's also not going to help you. As a developer, you love building things that are fun and that matter. Do you want to add authentication to yet another app? Do you want to stay updated with all the security issues and patch them? Why not leave it to the experts? Auth0 is the easiest and fastest way to implement real-world authentication and authorization architectures into your apps and APIs. Allow your users to log in with either regular username and password, social identity providers like Facebook and Twitter, enterprise identity providers such as Active Directory, Office 365, etc., or without passwords with an email login like Slack or phone login like WhatsApp. 
Getting started is easy. Add authentication to your JavaScript front-end, React, Angular, Vue, and others, or Node.js API in less than 10 minutes by writing only a few lines of code. No credit card required. Get the free plan or try the enterprise plan for 21 days at auth0.io slash jsjabber. That's auth0 with the zero. Auth0 is trusted by developers at Atlassian, Mozilla, Bluetooth, Optimizely, Financial Times, and The Wall Street Journal. Try it out at auth0.io slash jsjabber, that's auth0 with the number zero, and get back time building core features. So uh, l- let me talk about some of the things that people do that they need to change. The first thing is, is that um, I've seen a number of resumes where essentially they have the name of the job that they worked, so software developer at ABC company, right? And then underneath it's a paragraph that explains what they did. Well, paragraphs are hard to skim. So what I tell people is to take the paragraph and turn it into bullet points. So if you took the lead on some part of the project, put that in there. Took the lead on building out geo... I I was going to say geocaching, which is kind of a cool thing, but probably not something you're going to put on your resume. But um, geocoding the coordinates for crime data. This is something I did in a past job. I actually... uh, took the lead and moved us off of a service that we were using to do it. Um, you know, you, you, you can put in there, if there are specific technologies you know you want to highlight, then you can say, you know, that you um, implemented uh, features in Angular or React or Node.js or whatever. Um, if you're particularly good with a particular database, again, you can say, um, you know, helped manage MongoDB or whatever. Uh, what that does is it makes it really easy for them to say, oh, okay, um, took the lead. So, so they'll actually uh, take some initiative, get some of the work done that I need, and they have experience with the technology that I need them to know. And so you can start to really kind of frame that out for people. The other thing is, is if you have more than three, four, fives pushing at bullet points per job, just keep in mind that they're probably not going to pay too much attention to more than the top three. So you want to have the big things that these companies care about in your top three bullet points. And if you're applying to multiple companies and they care about different things, then change the bullet points for the companies you're applying to. And I, I get a lot of people and they're like, can you do that? You know, you, you don't just write your resume once. No, you never write your resume just once. You write your resume and then you tailor it to each job. Uh, because essentially it's a sales letter to that, to that job. And so if, if I pour concrete, for example, um, I'm going to change up my sales letter depending on whether somebody wants me to pour in a walkway in their front yard or whether or not they want me to do their entire driveway. It's going to be a different sales letter. And so it's the same thing here, right? Uh, They're all looking for something a little bit different, and so you need to put all that together. Uh, A few things not to put on the resume. I see people put in there like the objective, their objective, and their objective is to work for a terrific company that does X, Y, and Z, and P, and D, and Q. And it just, it, it doesn't help. Of course, your objective is to get hired. And of course, your objective is to work at a company that you're going to like working for. So, I mean, why bother? Why take up the space? Use that space to put more information in. Another thing that people put on their resumes that really doesn't necessarily help is references. Now, if the company says that you have to have them on your resume, put them on your resume. But otherwise, if they need references, they'll ask for them. So have them ready, you know, have them jotted down in your pocket or on your iPhone or whatever. 
But otherwise, don't put them on the resume. It's a waste of space. And then, um, you know, you're going to have your work experience. Uh, some people ask me about volunteer experience. And it's kind of an iffy thing for me, right? So this goes back to doing the research on the company and on the person involved in doing the hiring. So for example, if I found out that I was applying for a job and the person that I was going to be, that was going to make this decision was somebody that really, really, really loved Boy Scouts, like Boy Scouts of America, Boy Scouts. Well, I'm fairly involved in the organization myself, so I will definitely put that on the resume. Or if they've always wanted to travel to Italy, well, I lived in Italy for two years, so I'll put my volunteer experience in Italy for two years, right? Um, you know, so, so if I know some of these things and I can put them on and it makes it so that I'm, there's something for them to want to talk to me about. But, you know, if you're just putting in, uh, you know, I work in a soup kitchen and I do these other things. It, if, if you have space on your resume, put them on there. But otherwise, if there's something else, other relevant work experience or open source projects or anything else that you've worked on that, that is going to lend more credibility to your skills as opposed to your personality or your I'm a good person-ness, I don't know what the word is, philanthropy, I guess, put that stuff on there instead. And so your resume is essentially then just a breakdown of what you've accomplished and what you've done. Now, some people are like brand new, right? They still have bubble wrap on them, you know, program or bubble wrap. Uh, they just came out of a boot camp. They just finished Khan Academy or something or Code Code Academy or some of these other ones that are out there. And they don't have a whole lot of experience to put on there, right? Well, put your past work experience anyway, especially if it's either in a relevant related area. So some people, for example, have been nurses or accountants or uh, a friend of mine's going through a local boot camp and he's actually uh, been a marketer in the past. So if he was applying to marketing companies or email companies or, you know, something like that, where he has relevant subject matter experience, even though he doesn't have relevant programming experience, you definitely want that on there. I don't know if it's necessarily helpful to put McDonald's on there, but I mean, if you have nothing else, put it on there because at least it shows that you have had a job that you've worked in some area. Um, but what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to find some other way to show them that you are a capable programmer. So one of the other things is you can put under other experience, you can put like the capstone project for your boot camp, or you can put in your side projects, right? I built budgeting software that me and my mom use or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you put that in there, you know, I, I built out a shopping cart or I implemented, you know, an open source system, you know, and I set it up. You know, those kinds of things will help you out. Um, another thing you can do is go and contribute to documentation on open source projects. If you can't either get in the door to contribute code or you're not comfortable yet contributing code, then you can go contribute to the documentation. And they will usually, not always, but they will usually count you as a contributor to the project. And so then you can put on there, I'm a contributor to the following open source projects. And if there are projects that these folks have heard about or can go Google and be a little bit impressed by it, that really helps. And you don't have to have like mega programming chops to do it. So a lot of those things will fill, fill out your resume as well. Um, one other thing to put in there is um, 
I, I mentioned McDonald's may or may not help you. One other thing that will help you is if you've moved up within McDonald's, right? So, and I'm using McDonald's as an example just because it's it's a fast food situation where, um, you know, people kind of think of it as the, the bottom of the barrel job, right? Or your first job or whatever. You know, I've seen Subway on people's resumes and stuff before. But if you can show that you moved up from, say, cashier to assistant manager or shift manager or something like that, you know, or head of the kitchen, back-end kitchen staff. It's been a long time since I worked at McDonald's. I don't remember what all the positions are called. But if you can put any of that in there, that also helps because it shows, you know what, this person worked there for a few months and they figured out that they could count on them to be a leader in the organization. Leadership always looks good on a resume, so any of that will help as well. And maybe some of your volunteer experience will play to that as well. But anyway, it, the, the more of that that you can put in there, it gives them an idea that, you know what, they may not be an expert coder, but they're a responsible, resourceful enough person to pull the trigger on a lot of this stuff. So then what we do is we, we look at the resume, but th there's another piece to this. And this is a piece that a lot of people forget. And depending on your experience and who you know, because the last few jobs that I got that were full-time jobs, I got them through people I knew, and so I didn't need a cover letter. But a lot of people forget to put the cover letter on. And the cover letter is the rest of it, right? So your resume is, here's what I've done, here's what I've worked on, here's where I volunteered, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it doesn't really tell them what kind of person you are. And most companies, when I talk to hiring managers, they basically say that the kind of person somebody is uh, accounts for more than their technical chops, right? As long as they can contribute in, in a meaningful way, you know, even if they're not the top-notch developer, if they'll learn quickly and they're a pleasure to work with, <laughs> they'll hire that person above the technical genius pretty much every time. Because nobody wants to work with the, the, the real big fat jerk even if they are just amazing coders. And the reason is, is because everybody else's code has to touch theirs. And it's no fun to talk to somebody who's going to talk down to you or treat you poorly. And so what you do is you put in your cover letter the kinds of things that you can't really put in the resume. Like you can't really put in the resume, I'm a nice person or I get along well with other people. You can put in things that kind of indicate that, you know, uh, worked with three other developers to pull together a brown bag lunch program or something like that, right? Where it's, hey, look, I wanted to do some learning. I brought some other people together. I took the lead on this stuff. You know, they didn't want to kill me at the end of it. So, you know, everything's good. But if you put something to get, if you put something like that in the cover letter, then what you essentially are telling them is a, here's why I want to work with your company. So this goes back to that dream job profile that we talked about a minute ago. You know what, as I thought about doing this job search, I realized that I wanted to work at a company that XYZ. And I found that ABC company does X and Y and you're well on your way to Z. And so I have felt, you know, I, I'm excited for the opportunities that I have to come work for your company, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then the next thing you do is you can say, from what I can tell, it appears that ABC company hires people with the following qualities. And I feel like I exemplify those and that I have done things that exhibit that in the following ways. And so then you can talk about some of the initiatives that you've been a part of and some of the things that you really like. Um, and, you know, and it, it doesn't have to be in the programming field at all. But then you can talk about uh, church service or 
uh, scouting service or, you know, anything else you're involved in, Toastmasters, right? And you can say, it looks like communication is key to this organization and, you know, it's important to me as well. I have my competent communicator from Toastmasters, you know, whatever you're going to put in there. But what it does is it gives you that opportunity to say, you know, I'm responsible or I'm a good communicator or I work well with others or I'm a good leader or, you know, whatever those qualities are that you want to sort of highlight, you put those into the cover letter. And what that does is it gives them the opportunity then to read through it and say, this is the experience that this person has. This is what we would be buying essentially. And that's on the resume. And then this is the kind of person that we're looking at hiring. And these are the qualities that we would be paying them to have. And so it all pays off just because you're able to give them that full picture and they can say, this is the kind of person I want to work with. Um, it, their resume isn't super deep, but you know what? I like them enough to at least bring them in and see what they've got. Right. So then you could show up and you can do the, the interviewing practices and things like that. And at least, uh, get some notice that way. And I know people who have gotten interviews off of their cover letter, even though they didn't have a whole lot in the resume that was super relevant to the company. So yeah, just keep that in mind. That is definitely some, uh, some movement there. So that's kind of the first two weeks that we, we dive into there. And, and I, I give a lot more examples and we do some resume critiques and things like that. But yeah, so then the next part is just researching the companies, right? Um, and we talked about LinkedIn, we talked about meetups. And uh, the two weeks after that, the first two weeks in December, we're going to be talking about getting noticed anyway. And so all of these things kind of go together. It's getting information about the company that the company puts out there through social media, through LinkedIn, through Glassdoor, through whatever else, uh, as well as people who have worked with them, right? Uh, Glassdoor allows people to anonymously post their experience working for a company. So you can see if somebody's had problems working at that company, because again, it's anonymous. You can get an idea of what the salaries are at the company. Uh, looking at that, you can look at uh, some of the people in the company by going to LinkedIn, looking at their page, and then clicking through to where people are actually at, right? You can go look at the profiles of their employees and get an idea of what's going on there. Um, you can also then, in a lot of cases, reach out to them, right? So you can send them a connection request, or if you have a premium account, you can send them an in-mail in LinkedIn. Uh, the other thing is, is that in some cases, it's really not that hard to figure out what somebody's email address is. Or you can also see if you're connected to somebody that they're connected to, and then see if you can make a connection that way. And so you email your friend and you say, hi, friend, I'm looking into getting hired at ABC company. And I see that you're connected with Joe Blow, who works over at ABC company. And uh, so I'm wondering if there's any way that you can introduce us so I can ask him a few questions. And then you go out and get noticed. And there are a lot of ways to get noticed. So um, I, I've kind of broken this down into two areas. One is getting noticed uh, from the outside, essentially. So um, you're not interacting directly with the company and you're not really becoming an insider on the company. You're just getting to know the people that are making the decisions in the company. 
So one of those ways is by going to users groups. And I tell people to do this all the time. So you go to the users group and you get involved there. And a lot of times you can tell from LinkedIn or Twitter or somebody else's um, profile, you know, what they're tweeting about. Hey, you know, they, they organize this meetup or they go to this meetup every month, right? Hey, I'm off to the Utah Ruby users group or the Utah JavaScript meetup and hey, you know, or that was a great talk by so-and-so at the meetup. And so you can kind of get an idea, oh, if I want to meet this person, I'm going to go over there and meet them. Or you can also just show up and, and talk to people who are talking about relevant stuff to what you want to work on. And then you can kind of, oh, so where do you work? What do you do? And get an idea, oh, well, they work for, uh, I keep saying ABC company, but they work for DEF company. I hadn't considered them. So... I'm going to talk to them and find out if DEF company matches up with what I think I want and then start talking to them about what it takes to get hired. Uh, the other end of this is getting noticed from the inside. So I mentioned meetups, but there are all kinds of other ways you can do this. Um, you know, the forums and chats also help. Speaking at conferences is another way to do this. Uh, I go into a lot more detail about these, but... Um, you know, I, I only have an hour, so I'm going to try and move on because there's a lot more to this than just these things. Getting noticed from the inside usually consists of a little bit more sort of the, the things that they put out there in public. So if they have an API, you know, you can write a library around their API that makes it easy to connect to things from Node.js or from Angular or from something else. You can also, if they have some sort of plugin system. So the example that I use in a lot of these is in Structure. And Instructure is a company that's based out of Salt Lake City, and they have a product called Canvas. And Canvas is a learning management system that colleges and other folks use to manage their courses. So they have a plugin system, and it sucks, but it's there, right? And so you, if you wanted to get hired in Instructure, one of the things you could conceivably do is actually write a plugin for Instructure Canvas. Now, it's not their fault that their plugin system sucks because they went with um, a standard system that other open source learning management systems use to do plugins. So it's not ideal, but it works, right? They also have APIs that are available for some of the things there. So, you know, if you built some kind of automation system or payment system that hooked into Instructure Canvas, you know, you could do that. And then you can pr basically present it to the company and say, hey, look, I really like your product and I wrote this plugin. Or I really like your product and I wrote this API integration. Or I really like your product and so I wrote this add-on software that connects to it somehow. And so by doing that, you can sort of become an insider because then what you're doing is you're talking to their staff members about what you've built not necessarily because you're talking to them about getting a job, because they're almost always interested in talking to people who are building software against their stuff. And they're almost always interested in the ecosystem around their stuff. And so by opening the, that up and opening those doors, you can sort of become an insider. Another way, Instructure also puts on InstructureCon, which is a conference based around their products. A lot of other companies do this. Twilio does this. New Relic does this. Google does it. Google I.O. Amazon does it with reInvent. Uh, Microsoft has a handful of conferences that they put on. So you kind of get the idea, right? I went to VMworld. VMware puts on a conference. And you kind of get the insider status that way too. One that 
kind of blend some of this is blogging and podcasting. So if you do a, a guest post from somebody from the company, you're kind of bridging that because you know, you're putting out content about their stuff, which is outsider stuff, but you're also bringing in their, their staff to write blog posts. So that's insider stuff. Um, having their staff members come onto your podcast is insider stuff. So you're kind of getting the idea, right? I mean, anything you can do to interact with them, it, it really puts you on their game. And then if somebody in the company knows who you are, then when you actually do want to apply, you can reach out to them and say, hey, look, I'm looking for a job or, hey, look, I'd really like to work for DEF company. And, you know, it looks like you're doing a lot of interesting stuff there. I've had so-and-so and such-and-such on the podcast. And you reach out to so-and-so and such-and-such as well, let them know you're applying, and then you're, you know, you're set, right? Because then they can say, okay, well, I'll make sure that my boss sees it. Or, you know, oh, I'll, I'll check in in a little bit. And then you follow up with them and you're like, hey, you know, I sent in my resume a couple of weeks ago and I never heard back. You know, I was just wondering what the deal is. And you would be surprised at how many companies will call you back because you followed up. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. You know, they got busy. It wasn't because there was something wrong with your resume. They just got busy. And so by having somebody bring it front and center you can get that done. Of course, all of this just leads up to getting the interview, right? Uh, once you go in for the interview, you shake hands and talk to somebody face-to-face. -face. It, it kind of is a different story. And so you show up. I mean, I could spend hours talking about coding interviews. Uh, and, and a lot of companies do it differently. But essentially what you want to come across as is, again, somebody who can do the work and somebody who they would like to work with. And so if you can come across as both of those things, and usually what this boils down to is being confident, uh, just being yourself, and and really trying to enjoy getting to know the person who's interviewing you. Yeah, a lot of that works out. The other thing to keep in mind, too, is especially for new people, they feel like they really have to demonstrate that they know a lot of stuff. And it turns out that you really don't have to do that. So demonstrating that you know a lot of stuff Sometimes it helps, and sometimes what it winds up doing is you'll you'll talk about something that you don't really know about, and your interviewer does. And if you try and BS your way through an interview, in a lot of cases, it'll hurt you more than it helps you. And so you're much better off just letting them know where you're at. And then what happens is, is I've seen a few companies, they hired a whole bunch of people who were qualified for what they were looking for and they hired and they interviewed a bunch of people who weren't quite qualified for what they were looking for. And what, what they wound up doing is they wound up hiring one of the people that weren't, wasn't quite qualified. And the reason is, is because all of the qualified people wanted too much money 
or just didn't quite have what they were looking for. And the person who didn't quite have all of the experience they wanted, it turned out that they felt like they could train them in a reasonable amount of time and make it work. So anyway, just, just something to think about, you, you know, so just be yourself let them buy what they're buying and hire what they're hiring and it'll all work out. Once you get through the interview and, and there are all kinds of coding exercises, you'll probably hear nightmare stories about coding on a whiteboard and stuff like that. Some companies do it. Some companies don't. Um, some of this information you can get off of Glassdoor or LinkedIn and some of it you just won't know until you show. So just keep that in mind as well. But um, anyway, it's, it, it's kind of where things are at. So find out as much as you can before the interview, go in prepared, be yourself, be confident, and hopefully you get hired. Once you get a, once that's all done, you get a job offer. Um, now a lot of people will just take the job offer. It's what I wanted. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, most companies actually will expect you to try and negotiate. And so just keep that in mind. There's a terrific book by Josh duty called, um, I don't remember exactly what it is. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but he talks about, uh, oh, it's expert salary negotiation. And so, yeah, so you, it's negotiating the salary, right? And so you try and maximize your salary, uh, maybe get a few more days time off. You know, you can make trade-offs too, right? So maybe you don't care as much about the health benefits because you're young or healthy or whatever, right? And just keep that in mind, right? That uh, you, you can negotiate. So if you're willing to give up a little bit of salary to get a little more time off or a little more flexibility or things like that, you know, you can do that as well. And then the final thing is, is that a lot of people are also concerned, okay, well, uh, what if I don't have all the qualifications for the company I want to work for? And so then we dig into how to become a better programmer. What should I be learning? How do I learn it? How do I demonstrate that I know it? Et cetera, et cetera. And we dig into all that stuff too. So, I mean, that's, that's basically, I mean, I didn't just give you a rundown of the course. I feel like I really gave you some quality tips and tricks and there's a ton more that I've got. Uh, I just don't have time to go into for this kind of a thing. So if you're interested in it, um, once again, you know, I'll just put a link in the show notes, but it's devchat.tv slash get a coder job full access. And um, you'll, you'll hit a landing page and you can just scroll down and see what all the details are. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. You know what? Uh, I should do some picks, but I've just been talking a lot and I don't know that I'm really going to do picks today. So yeah, go check that out. Um, let me know if you have any questions because I'm happy to answer them. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.